archer today. Brother Archer is a great friend of mine. God has blessed me with a lot of good friends. And um, the Lord has used Brother Archer to strengthen and bless and help me personally. And I call him my adopted brother. And uh, I just... I just love Brother Archer greatly. He is my friend and uh, my brother. Fixing to give me another nephew. Well, his wife is, I think. And uh, um, I just know the Lord's going to use him today. And uh, we just want you to obey the Lord, Brother Archer. Make yourself at home. We're not in a hurry. We want to be saved. We want the Holy Ghost to help us. Love you. Appreciate you. Honor you. Doing a great work for God in Cooper City, Fort Lauderdale area, Florida. I love going over there and preaching. Wonderful church. He's got men here with him today right here up front. God bless you, brethren, for being here. Brother Archer, obey the Lord. Let the Lord use you. Praise the Lord, everybody. The old song says, To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, on earth I long to be like Him all through life's journey. here this afternoon for truly where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty I thank Brother Adams for such a
a masterful job last night um, preaching it right where I needed to hear it. <coughs> and uh, Brother McConaughey today, such a wonderful, wonderful word from the Lord. So appreciate it. And the spirit with which it was preached. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And I want to give honor to the Lord head of our life amen and through submission to him we have safety and security and I want to give honor to Brother Townley and uh, all of our technological gadgets that keep us real Brother Townley's doing such a fine job here in Jennings. Thank the Lord for his friendship, for his ministry, his insight in the spirit world. Thank the Lord that all of the men that walk with God have not passed on. But there are still men that walk with God yet today. <clears throat> and I appreciate that. All of the ministry here represented. God bless you, give you honor. And all the brethren uh, appreciate your fellowship. And uh, through the last year and a half, many of you have voiced to me personally and through others that you have prayed for us. I appreciate that with all of my heart. Thank you so much for your prayers. God has been good to us. Any day above ground's good. Amen. Still alive and well in the Lord. Amen. And uh, most importantly, I give honor to my pastor uh, who's here today who has always been and is and always will be the greatest man I've ever known. I love my pastor and appreciate him. Everything I have owe to him. Amen. When God blesses you with a pastor, he has kissed your life. Amen. I thank the Lord that my pastor is yet with me today and I uh, love him very much and uh, want the Lord to have his way. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Amen. <clears throat> Since you have your Bibles, why don't you turn in them to the Gospel according to Mark, the 14th chapter. I had wondered at my thoughts uh, whether or not that I was really on target or not. And the Lord seems to have, as he sometimes does, confirms his word with signs. I do appreciate that today. If you'll help me, I need the help of the Lord, but I also can appreciate good help from the pew. If you'll help me, I believe the Lord will have his way. Mark chapter 14, verse number 32 says, And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. He taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and and prayed that 
If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And he went away and prayed and spake the same words. When he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, neither wist they what to answer him. And verse 41 said that he cometh the third time. Amen. Let the church say amen. amen. I want to, if the Lord, with the Lord's help, to talk to you today about Gethsemane, the experience. Amen. If you will give me leeway to just bear my heart to you, I'll try to get out of the way and we can get on with the rest of the day and the fellowship scheduled ahead but I want to talk about the experience today I wonder if we could lift our hands and thank the Lord for his word <clears throat> thank you Jesus Jesus. I love you, Jesus. God, I want to hear your word. Uh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for your honor to the word of God. Some few years ago, on the occasion of my transition service into uh, pastorate, there was given me a a book by my pastor that so impacted my life. Uh, in a little while, you're going to discover, if you don't already know, that um, I'm not big on reading anything and preaching from it other than the Bible. And uh, this book, because my pastor gave it to me, he's not one to give books out, say, you need to read this, but in the course of my reading it the Lord arrested my attention to the subject of Gethsemane and I sat there on a chair that I have in my office and tears started flowing down my face as I thought about what was being said and how that the Lord exemplified that in the Gospels as we have it recorded. <clears throat> I was reading a book, and it's titled, When a Man's a Man. And uh, through the course of this book, it's about a young man who is wealthy, inherited millions from his father. And 
came a point in his life where he found a young lady that he wanted to marry. And she said some things to him that so changed him forever that he left all of his fortune and he traveled to the West where no one knew him. He took nothing with him, took no extra money, no extra suit of clothes. But he ended up in a small town in Arizona and it was rodeo time. And through the course of that festivity, he witnessed a young man who won the championship for uh, bronc riding and was so impressed with his aptitude as a man that he said to himself, I, I think I'm going to find out where that guy works and I'm going to go see if I can get a job there and work my way up, tell them my name is something other than what it is. In the course of this book, this young man discovers what it's like to be a man. All of his life he'd had everything handed to him, had never worked an honest day's work in his life. <clears throat> and naturally the story is interesting to me because it, uh, uh, what thankfully my, my upbringing was in the church, had a happy home, happy family, but what I ever had in this world I was taught to work for myself and get it on my own and so interested me as I read this story there was a wise old gentleman the the rancher they called him the Dean that uh, wasn't what you would say book learned but he had a lot of practical sense as my grandfather would say he had horse sense and I found out in this work trying to help people. I teach doctrine, teach theology. I try to do my best, but it's practical teaching that really meets the need of the hour. And the dean said to the young man one day after a hard day's work, he said, son, Gethsemane isn't a place. It's something that happens. Whenever a man goes up against himself right there, is where Gethsemane is. And right there too is sure to be a fight. A man may not always know about it at the time. He may be too busy fighting to understand just what it means. But he'll know about it afterwards. No matter which side of him wins, he'll know afterwards that it was the one big fight of his life. Brethren, I want to talk to us today about our struggle. Every man's got a battle. And your greatest battle is where you come against your, your will and your desire. And our Lord so ably exemplified success in the experience. I don't know where it will be in your life if you've come there. Many of you have. And I've found in my life, maybe it's just because I'm not what I should be. I've found myself at Gethsemane more than once because it doesn't matter how long I've had the Holy Ghost or how well that I've been taught or the home that I was raised in or the church that I attend seems like every day that I get up I face my biggest battle when I get up out of the bed and I look in the mirror I find my greatest opposition to success in life <laughs> 
looking back at me needing to pray needing to surrender my will to an almighty God I know that this is the biggest struggle that we ever face because God manifest in flesh wrestled with it to the point where that the apostle Luke said it, it, it was as if great drops of blood fell from his face when he prayed God if it be possible let this cup pass from me one writer said this cup of suffering pass from me when brother McConaughey mentioned that submission is something that is not what we want to do it was not in our plans if there were any way that we could circumvent the process our flesh would make the way for us every single day of our life doesn't matter how much Bible scripture you have memorized doesn't matter how faithful that you have been until that trumpet sounds there will be a struggle going on the inside of you that takes repetitive prayer to conquer brother Adams it's you and I that and these brethren it's a revelation that if we don't continue to pray every day it's not good enough to have had a span of time in our life where we prayed like we ought to and then somehow attained some seniority in the kingdom to where we don't need to pray anymore. To where we don't need to seek after God anymore. To where when we preach conferences that we no longer need to feel nervous and afraid. I, I don't know if you feel what I'm feeling, but when the presence of the Lord settled in this place, I felt like Isaiah did. He said, woe is me, for I am undone. There's something about the man that I live with and in that makes me feel so inadequate in the presence of God. And that, friend, right there is the only thing that will keep me on the road to heaven. Oh, hallelujah. It's going to be a repetitive consecration. A repetitive altar in our life of rededication that's going to keep us to where we conquer this struggle that we live with. Oh, hallelujah. Matthew chapter 26 and Mark chapter 14, our text, uh, specifically says that he went away and left them, but he came back and he prayed the third time saying the same words. It was the Apostle Paul that, that said to us and the church in Corinthians and the second letter to them and the 12th chapter, he said, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Amen. Notice that the pricking and the discomfort, notice that the struggle was in the flesh. Jesus said the spirit is willing, but it's the flesh that will complicate things. I don't believe that the Holy Ghost is anemic. I don't believe that we have a lacking in power. I don't believe that our supply is running out. The problem is is people are losing the battle in Gethsemane. They're losing the struggle with their desire. They're losing the, the struggle with their flesh and, and the things that the flesh would have them do. Oh, the preacher was so transparent last night. I appreciate that. But sometimes even us ministers struggle with the flesh and we would like to blame God for what we do and drag God kicking and screaming into the picture. 
and say, well, the Lord would have me to say this. And really, truthfully, sometimes it's the flesh crying out. So Paul said, lest I should be exalted above measure. Everybody's got that in them. That is a love affair, elder, that, that we've all got to, to successfully struggle and conquer. Is the approval of man. The writer said, if we seek the approval of men, we cannot please God. Amen. And today, when, when, when the climates of our fellowships are changing, if you'll allow me to say that, we, we stand in danger of seeking after the approval of our peers and our brethren in our doctrine and what we stand for and the lines that we draw at our church, the lines we draw at our home. We stand in danger of drawing those lines because our friend draws the line or ignoring the line because our friends ignore the line. Friend, I don't, I don't see a perverted sense of loyalty like that. Just because we've been friends to compromise and change the message just to appease the flesh. Hey, this experience that I'm talking about today will be greater than your struggle with the devil. God gave us power to tread on his head. Oh, don't think you can do it on your own. You've got to have help. But let me tell you what you need more help with is your Gethsemane. Hallelujah. Paul said, For this thing I have besought the Lord thrice. It's not something that, that one prayer meeting conquered. It's not something that a 15-minute little I lay me down to sleep prayer conquered. But it was something that he kept coming back to. It made him want to argue with God and question the sovereignty of God. Are you sure that you want me to do this? Are you sure that I am uh, in this in this struggle because of your will and your calling. He said, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. He said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ can I tell you something today? I will not let the enemy defeat me in Gethsemane just because he tells me I am weak. I know that I am weak. That is my strength. I know that I am struggling. That is why I stand here today. I know that I cannot make it on my own will and power. That is why I stand here today. So go ahead and tell me in my Gethsemane that the flesh is weak. I know it already. Hallelujah. And if Gethsemane does nothing else, it successfully keeps us praying. I said it successfully keeps us praying. I, I don't want to be open to the point where I share things that you don't need to know. But let me tell you this. I didn't need to go to Bible college to learn how to pray. I didn't need to read the latest book by Professor so-and-so or Reverend such-and-such with a doctorate behind his name to learn how to pray. When you sang the song, I found the answer, it, it, it kind of came to me. One day as I was in the church walking the floor, saying, God, what is going on? I can't believe this. And what do I do? When I walk in the bathroom and look in the mirror and say, what are you thinking? Having begun in the Spirit, what persuaded you? 
that you could do this in the flesh. I feel the Holy Ghost so strongly right now. If you'll ride with me, I'm not going to divulge anything that makes anybody uncomfortable. But all I can say is it wasn't hard to find myself face first on the carpet crying, God help me. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I find myself saying I know far less than when I say I don't know. Oh, when I feel like I should have more answers, Brother Boyd, I find myself saying I'm not really sure. But let's pray about it. Let's seek the Lord about it. Amen. When it comes right down to it, each and every one of us have within us the capability of committing horrible things. If we let ourselves. Oh, be ruled and controlled by the desire that lives in you. Paul said this to the church of Rome, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Amen. A little while back I started preaching on a place called grace. And if it weren't for the grace of God, there wouldn't be a single soul sitting on a pew here today. There wouldn't be a single preacher preaching behind this sacred desk. If it was not that we were justified through the operation of God that was wrought on Calvary. But let me tell you, Calvary would have never happened had there not been a Gethsemane. Oh, I know there's no such thing as God the Father and God the Son. But God became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth the fourth chapter of Hebrews said for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was tempted like as we are yet without sin therefore let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. <laughs> my boldness in coming before the presence of God is not in my success rate that my flesh has given me. It's in my justification I have through faith in the operation and trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ that helps me to stand in his presence and obtain mercy because I've needed it and obtain help in time of need the, the experience the experience of seeing God seated upon the throne his train filling the temple does not make us feel self-confident but makes us see clearly our inadequacies and the, the condition of us being undone that we are unclean that we are a people of unclean lips and we dwell among people of unclean lips and the thing that it successfully does is it, it conquers our will it conquers our fleshly desire to the point that we acquiesce and say to the Lord nevertheless I've expressed my opinion on this subject and you, and you won't take my answer for an answer. And I've came back more than one time. And, I, and I've sweated over this. I've bled over this. I've cried and anguished over this. Nevertheless, not my will. That's the hardest thing you'll ever say. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, he has got to deny himself. 
and take up his cross. Oh, hallelujah. I, I don't know if, if it's all right. I, I have an outline here, and, and I, am, I am one to destroy a beautiful outline. But I feel the Holy Ghost leading me. Peter had a struggle in accepting the plan and purpose of God. It was recorded back in the 16th chapter of the book of Matthew that, that the Lord from, it says here in the 26th verse, or 21st verse, from this time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter uh, took him and began to rebuke him. You, you, you tell me that we don't struggle with the flesh. There's times when we look at the will of God and rail against it because it includes suffering. It includes wanting. It includes loneliness. It includes pain. And he said, Be it far from thee, O Lord. Oh, this shall not be unto thee. In other words, God, are you sure, Lord? Lord, now come on. You said you were going to establish a kingdom. You're going to rule and reign. But the way that God is going to rule and reign in our kingdom uh, of the church here today is through you and I experiencing the process of self-denial. Peter couldn't swallow that. As a matter of fact, he, the Lord turned to him and he said, uh, Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. I, 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 I've just got to be honest with you. I don't like suffering. I don't like praying on a monthly basis for the bills to be uh, paid. And, and uh, I don't like worrying about the light bill. And I don't like worrying about food on the table or whether or not my mortgage is going to be paid on time or the car note and... I'm not just blessed enough to have all that taken care of like some of you. I'm a real man here. And I have real life worries. And, and there's times where I, where I think to myself, I don't deserve this. I didn't make this debt. Why should I have to pay it? But it's my responsibility. As a man, real men don't stand up and whine when they're put res responsibilities put on their shoulders. They don't shirk it just because they don't feel like they deserve it. Well, hallelujah. Can, can you help me out today? The Lord turned to Peter and he said, Get thee behind me, Satan. There's nothing more devilish than your fleshly desire and your fleshly ambition. Well, I'm, I'm not preaching a big time amen message here today, but this is where we're at as men. We would like to take the easy route. Tell the pastor, the, Lord, the Lord's led me here or there. The jobs are better. And there for a while I thought that, that George, the state of Georgia was the land of Canaan flowing with milk and honey because nobody could make it in South Florida. And then I spoke with my good friend who pastors in Georgia and he said, I don't know what's going on, preacher. He said, people are leaving my church left and right because the money's not good enough. The, the cost of living's too... Let me tell you something. No matter where you run, you're going to have to deal with life. The will of God is to stay planted. The will of God is to grow where he puts you. There is no better place to grow than the environment with which God planted you in the kingdom. That's the will of God. And it takes time to grow. Jesus, Jesus said, 
to Peter. He said, you're a dangerous trap for me. I heard the elder use another translation, so because I'm, I'm doing this because he did it. <laughs> He's an elder. <laughs> he can do it, so can I. Hallelujah. <laughs> another translator said of the scripture, he said, he said, Peter, you're a dangerous trap to me because you're seeing things merely from a human point of view and you're not seeing it from God's point of view. There's something about what you're saying is very appealing to me because I don't want to die. Matter of fact, I've wrestled with this. From the time of my birth in Bethlehem, I've known the reason why I came was to suffer and to die for the sins of the world. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. This, this church was not happenstance. This church was not an afterthought. This church was not a fix it up at the last minute thing. The church was in the mind of God from very beginning. Before the foundation of the world were laid. The church was on the mind of God. The plan of suffering, the plan of sacrifice has never been a surprise to God. And it should not be to you or I. I want to reign with him, but I don't want to suffer. Talking to you about the experience. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Amen. Strong, Strong said to deny himself means to contradict and disavow, to reject and abnegate your will and your say over and surrender your will and yield over to the will of God. To deny yourself to means to disown your say in the matter. Oh, if you'll stay with me just a minute. To utterly and completely say, I'm not mine. I don't belong to me. I, I had, as you all know, an experience <laughs> with a fire hydrant a while back. I was brutally attacked by it. <laughs> Nearly killed. <laughs> Thank the Lord that I'm yet alive uh, to preach here today. I did not aspire to be here today. I just was asking. I believe in obedience and uh, whatever. But I learned a lot in that uh, in the last year and a half that I could have never learned had I not been there. I remember one of the most impacting things came to me, Brother Townley, as I was lying beside of the road, looking up at the sky in pain like I never dreamed possible. I was not screaming, nor was I crying or begging God to take the pain away. I was asking God, please forgive me for being so reckless with my responsibility. I'm just being open. And it came to me so strongly, Elder McDaniel, that I didn't have any say over my life at that point. It was in the hands of God. And I remember, as a matter of fact, this, this young man, Brother Roger, was, was praying with me, was with me when it happened. I, re, I, I asked my brother-in-law said, I don't know if I said this out loud, if I was praying it, but I, I did say it out loud because they heard me say it. I said, God, I gave my life to you a while ago. And if it is my time, 
I'm ready. I didn't feel like I had to call anybody. I had my heart right with God. But the overwhelming understanding that my life was not my own. I should have known that before, but it brought it to my attention. Friend, that your life, you live and you move and you dwell at God's will. You're not here to satisfy your will and your way. So whosoever shall lose his, save his life, shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. The greatest understanding that I ever have in, in my life, now I know this doesn't seem very important, but is when I learned that my will was not superior in everything. As a matter of fact, it's not superior in anything. This man in the book, if you'll please forgive me, one preacher said, I'm going to preach out of the Bible today, not too far out, but let me, let me quote him again. The, the, the old wise man, the dean, made this statement that as I was reading in the airplane yesterday, I started crying. I found out I cry very easy now. I don't know why. I mean, maybe I'm a big baby or something. I don't know. But uh, I don't care what people think of me for being broken. I got it honest. I wasn't always able to feel the presence of God like I'm feeling it right now. But this man said horses are a whole lot like men. He said if they don't have enough in them to fight when they're being broke, they aren't generally worth the effort to break. A lot of us as ministers throw in the towel on people because they're struggling so hard. And it's that young man, sir, that might be just worth the effort. You're looking at a man that struggled. You hear me? I'm not proud of it. I'm ashamed of it. But I'm glad I had somebody that was breaking me that was patient. That was long-suffering. That was kind. That he didn't take a horse whip to me. But the servant of God must be, must not strive, but be gentle with all men, apt to teach if peradventure God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth to them that oppose themselves. So right before you write anybody off, sir, Christian man, before you write your brother off because he's struggling with something, he might just be worth the effort and that's why he's struggling so hard. Some of you look down at men because they may be a little more carnal than what you are. And maybe they have the flesh that, that rises to the surface. Maybe they're just more honest than you are. There isn't a man among us that don't have a problem with his desire. There isn't a man among us that has... Oh, I wasn't going to get personal today, but hadn't seen an unclean thing on the bookshelf. But now we live in a society where they pipe it in on your computer. And you can't tell me that isn't appealing to you. If you do, you're a liar. And if it's not appealing to you, you need to repent just as bad as those that are attracted to it. He said to make myself at home, that's dangerous. Because I have some real eloquent things to say on that subject right at the moment. But what I'm saying is once you've seen it once, you want to see the rest. That's the real world. 
That's what makes you sweat, young man, and toss and turn and can't sleep at night. That's what makes the covers and the sheets stick to your legs because of the struggle. Some of you aren't man enough to own up to it, but I stand here a man. And I'm preaching to men. And it doesn't matter if you get married. You think, oh, if I could just get married, I won't deal with these desires. I'm going to tell you, it'll still be there, only from a different perspective. We have so often, and once again, elders, I'm not trying to go back and clarify myself over and again. My heart is, is, is humble before the Lord as best I know how. I'm not making the rules for you. You, you answer to your pastor. But we have preached so much against the, the particular devices that we have forgotten to preach and teach on the principle of the subject. Technology is racing ahead of us faster than we can keep up. If somehow we don't win the struggle in Gethsemane, the experience, friend, we'll lose them all one day or the other. used to be you could avoid the, the filling station if you had a struggle and go to a different one now it's to where you, you, you can get it in your bedroom in the den I have mine sitting right out on the desk where my wife can walk in on me well she's got my passwords come on I'm preaching relevant to our generation. Oh, uh, I do not have a... Te- Here I am qualifying myself. I do not have a television. I teach against television. I don't want television. That's why I don't have it. I don't want to preach on TV. That, that's irrelevant to me. While people are fighting over that, we've got young men and young ladies getting on these places called MySpace downloading pictures of themselves sharing with their oh it's more than the internet come on get your head out of the sand using their cell phones that have cameras in them I thank the Lord God Almighty I didn't have a cell phone when I was growing up if that's too plain for you you're a sissy It's not just a computer. It's not just a television. It's the principle of the matter. We're losing the struggle of Gethsemane. Men. You can take it from me as just as that I like a challenge, but I'd rather have a young man that I had to work a little longer with. Because if I could ever get him reigned, If I could ever get him pointed in the right direction. There isn't a devil in hell. There isn't a floosie loose enough to unpersuade him. To turn him around. If I struggle with him for a year. If I struggle. I've got somebody I'm thinking of right now. I have wrestled with for four years. And they're just now starting to turn around. You don't know how happy that makes me. God called me there with a ministry of reconciliation and he gave me words to speak that were words of reconciliation and somehow what I say today I want you to take home with you and conquer the struggle 
of the experience. It didn't stop. It did, the struggle didn't stop with Peter on the 16th chapter of the book of Matthew. I find Peter in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. He's up in a journey. They drew nigh to a city. Peter went up to the housetop to pray. He became hungry and he would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. It's amazing that he was praying. This carnal man, the outspoken apostle, though he had a struggle with his flesh, was still the one that preached on the day of Pentecost. Some of us look at men who have been outspoken, sometimes hasty in their spirit, and we think that God should disavow them and God shouldn't use them anymore. But they may be just the one that have uh, enough of it to stand up when everybody else Yeah, at home we got a saying, get you a bucket. Fill it full of dirt and grow some. Well, y'all can't handle that, can you? Well, forgive me, but I made it to where you won't forget it. What we need is men to be men. To have stomach enough. When it's not the popular thing to do. Oh, yeah. Some of you have written me off right now. But I'm still going to be here with the grace of God and the help of God. Hey, I'm not here to prove how strong I am. I just want to win the struggle of Gethsemane. So he's up there. He's in a trance. He saw the heaven open up in a certain vessel descending unto him. And it, it had been a great sheet knit in four corners and let down to the earth and wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. He was still struggling. And the voice spake again in the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. You know the Bible does say, Elder, that it was done three times you know why it was done three times Peter was still struggling he was still confident in the works of the flesh and I know that the book says faith without works is dead I know all that but it's not your works that are going to get you to heaven it's not your works that justify you you're justified by faith that we have access into this grace wherein we stand if you're going to conquer the struggle, you're going to need the grace of God that is sufficient. Are you with me still? Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Peter was still struggling. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God didn't kick him out of the church. God didn't remove the calling and the anointing. He just had a struggle. And you see a subtle shift. I don't know. Maybe I'm stepping off into deep terror. You see a shift from the Apostle Peter to the Apostle to the Gentiles, the Apostle Paul. Because Peter couldn't quite grasp the concept of the Gentiles receiving the promises of God. Because he struggled with it. It showed up. Oh, hallelujah. Hey, somebody. 
somebody was in preparing and there was another man that was struggling in Gethsemane there was a certain disciple at Damascus the Bible said named Ananias and to him said the Lord in a vision Ananias and he said behold I am here Lord and the Lord said arise go into a street which is called straight and inquire to the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus Behold, he prayeth, and he hath seen a vision, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered and said, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. Lord, are you sure you know what you're talking about? And the Bible said, the Lord said, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things, I don't like this part, but he said, I'll show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. In other words, he let Ananias know in advance that Paul's ministry was going to be a ministry of self-sacrifice, of surrender, and denying and abnegating the authority and power over ourselves and re-rendering, re rather, it to the hand of Almighty God. Which we heard so eloquently last night subject of headship hallelujah well I still appreciate the grace that is sufficient let me, let me say this in our life I believe and I, I haven't been thinking about this for several years and I, I probably shouldn't bring it up in, in a conference like this but there are three great wills in the world John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus said, For the thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You're right, elder. But he said, But I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. The will of Satan was so beautifully illustrated in the book of Isaiah. I will, I will, I will. That is the same I will that the flesh brings to you every morning when you get up is that I will ascend to the seat of authority to call the shots for my life. I will make the decisions for myself. I will not surrender to the will of Almighty God. The will of Satan is to steal your victory, to kill your walk with God, and destroy your family. But the Lord said, I am come that you might have life. And He has equipped us. Uh, I don't know if you see grace as a place, but the fifth chapter of Romans says, We're in this grace wherein we stand. I am safe and secure in the knowledge and understanding that when I am weak, I have a source that I can turn to that helps me win the fight and the struggle. Oh, stay with me a little while. But the will that makes the difference was quoted in the 34th Psalm before the service started by Brother Wilson. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. 
The will that makes the difference in your life is your will surrendering to the will of Almighty God. If you could look at it as, as a clock, one side you have the right side. You have the will of God. You have the will of Satan. And the pendulum that swings marking your life is which way that you're allowing your will to take you. The, 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 the seventh chapter of the book of Romans is the 18th verse. For I know that in me, that is my flesh, dwelleth. Hey, we don't have room to give the flesh credit. In our meetings, in our homes, in our churches, we don't have room to pet the flesh. We are debtors in the eighth chapter of the book of Romans, but not to the flesh. I don't owe my flesh anything. Oh, and there's something that I know today that my fault, there's nothing good about it. For to will, oh yeah, is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I can't find it. And believe you me, I look in the mirror every day trying to find it. Just like you. Hey, there's got to be something good in me, God. Why would you call me to preach? There must be something about me. If you want to know the truth, God's still using weak vessels. He's still talking to people that know they're nothing. How to perform that which is good? No, I find not. What the next verse said, for the good that I would... I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. How many times have you repented, sir, over the same thing? Huh? How many years has it been since I preached in Vider, Texas? I'm still facing the same struggle, elder, as I was facing there. I taught a Bible class one night. I learned that lesson from the grandbaby. Carissa taught me a profound lesson on balance. And I, I preached it at Elder Phillips's. Do you know I'm still struggling to keep balanced? To somehow live with some sense in this world, but have enough sense to deny what I desire so we can have some measured success that God would view as success. anymore. The fact that I'm still in the church, still preaching the truth, still standing for holiness, I look back like that is a success. Because I've got those around me. Well, don't take me for a mean-spirited hateful individual. But friend, when you don't make an issue over the Trinity and you can have conjoined services with Trinitarians, when you can have their singers on... Uh, I don't want to get involved in that. But that's not the church. That's not balanced. Call me out of balance for saying anything about it. But somehow I'm trying to keep up right here. Yeah, I can go ahead and preach against everything that moves. That isn't balanced either. Well, I done shot myself right in the head right there. People like that don't have a revelation of the Godhead. You know why I say that? They don't have an understanding about the grace of God. 
They don't trust and believe in the sacrifice of God. The shed blood of Calvary. Oh, get off your high horse. Ride with me here. It's a struggle no matter where you draw the line. What you're going to have to get a revelation of is the grace of Almighty God. today well it's too late I'm standing here because of it just to have a church in South Florida because of the grace of God not of the works that I have done but it's been the mercies of God that saved this young man's life that saved this young man's soul that's given me anything that I have in this world the ability to know that the reason why I'm here is not because my dad was a preacher not because my dad's got a spotless reputation and raised me in a clean home that's part of it but the grace of God is where I stand here today I was born with the same flesh you was born with glory be to God now, if I, that's my pastor right there. He said, a pound of flesh is a pound of flesh. Don't matter who's it in. Well, praise the Lord. And it would be to your advantage if you would admit that about yourself. That everybody's success depends on their preparation for Calvary that they make at Gethsemane. Well, hallelujah. Said, now if I do that, I would not. It's no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. There is a battle and a struggle. It's an internal battle and struggle. That's how a man can get up here and say last year he didn't realize how close the preacher was to certain individuals. <clears throat> because each and every one of us have a struggle. The Apostle Paul said, Be not conformed to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and perfect will of God. That's where the struggle's at. And the way we think on things, the way we look at things, the way we contemplate and view life. Are you still with me? The 8th chapter of the book of Romans said, For to be carnally minded is... Spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject unto the law of God, neither indeed can be. There's something that we all have in us that puts us in direct opposition with Almighty God every day. And that's the way we think. Hey, so they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he's not of his. We still believe you've got to have the Holy Ghost to get to heaven. And it's the Holy Ghost in you that makes you worth anything. It's the Holy Ghost in you that helps you war the war of Gethsemane. Hey, likewise also... The 8th chapter, I hope I'm not disappointing you, Elder. This is all I've got. 8 and 26, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. 
our weaknesses, our hang-ups, our temptations, our inadequacies, our condition of being undone. The Spirit helps us there. It's not your flesh. It's not your intellect. It's not your pedigree. It's the Spirit of Almighty God. For we know not how we should pray for as... Hey, I never realized that scripture was so true till the day I got down to pray and didn't know the first thing to say. And just this came out of me. I don't know if you've been there. You'll get there sooner or later. But the Spirit cries out with groanings and utterance that cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. Somehow, we have got to allow God to put in us the mind of Christ. Knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Hallelujah. Your life, your will is pendulum back and forth. Hallelujah. And we need the Spirit to help us. For if you have to live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are inheritors hallelujah they are recipients of every promise in the book just because they're in the flesh does not mean they're not a part of the family it just means they have a revelation that they need the Holy Ghost to help them along the way I'm not standing on my two feet I'm propped up having done all that I can do but standing with the protection that God gave me the authority of his word well praise the Lord First Peter chapter 4 said for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh arm yourselves likewise we have equipment to fight this battle with the same mind we are armed with the mind of Christ hallelujah I wish I had more time I don't I'm just going to that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men but to the will of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Prayer is the secret. I'm just going to go ahead and finish this out. Like Brother Adam said, it'd be ten more years before I do that. Hallelujah. Hopefully not again. Jude said, but ye beloved. The 20th verse of Jude. But ye beloved, building up yourselves. Help yourself. For God's sake, help yourself. Don't make that poor preacher do everything for you. Oh, I know the, the servant of God must be gentle, must not strive. But you can help yourself by quit opposing yourself. Huh? pray thank God for the praying preacher thank God for the consecrated preacher thank God for the good example for God's sake help yourself build up yourself on your most holy faith that gives you access into this grace we're in praying in the Holy Ghost
receiving God's word is a key to building and strengthening ourselves in this day and age. Isaiah said, Whom shall we, he teach knowledge? Whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from milk and drawn from the breast. Precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and other tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, This is the rest. I, I, I'm tired. Emotionally. It's been, it's been a struggle. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Ask you how am I doing? Still fighting. Every day. Facing opposing spirits like as you. Haven't been at it as long as you. So I can only imagine what you're feeling. What you're experiencing, elders. But uh, there's a lot of pressure, Brother Adams, on men like you and I. Because of the changes of technology and the changes of viewpoints and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. To take the opinion that the old time way, the old time standards, the doctrine of separation is no longer relevant. I still am waiting for the soon return of one who's coming after a bride. Without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish, or any other such thing. Amen. The spirit of a man will, as the book says, the spirit of man is a candle of the Lord searching out the inward parts of the belly. The spirit of a man will tell whether or not, the spirit of a church will tell whether or not they're still old time apostolic. Because I'll tell you what's happening. It's just, it's just me. Take it as me. But people are losing the fear of God and they're losing it in apostolic churches. When young men and women could commit acts of uncleanness among one another, still stand up and testify and run and shout and dance, there's no fear of God. When they look the pastor in the eye and say, no, sir, I can't promise you that I'm going to stop fornicating, there's no fear of God. When their parents ask them, don't you feel bad? No, not really. Do you know that it's wrong? Yes, ma'am. Preaching against immorality, teaching against immorality. Praying and fasting in front. If they don't have the fear of God, it's to no avail. Somehow, Brother Adams, as a pastor, I have got to exemplify victory in the experience. Are you still here? We have got to have a familiar haunt of prayer that Gethsemane was for the Lord and his disciples Luke chapter 22 and he came out and went as he was wont or the other translator said went as was usual to Gethsemane in the Mount of Olives we have got to find a familiar place John 18 said that he was in the garden to which he entered with his disciples and Judas also which betrayed him he knew the place he knew the place he wasn't there but he knew it there's a lot of us that know it. But where we ought to be is led a little further with Him. Experiencing what He's trying to get us to experience. Judas knew the place. For Jesus, oft times, resorted with them to there with His disciples. We have got to do it regularly. That has got to be our resort. Thank God for the hunting fishing trips. Thank God for the vacations. 
but there's a resort we could retreat to on a daily basis that would keep us from feeling the need so frequently to go on rest and vacation. How many times have I as a pastor told another preacher, oh, I need a break, I need a rest, I need to get away. <laughs> and really what my flesh is crying out, please take me to Gethsemane. I'm not preaching this like this. I'm preaching this like this. I've been living this. And I hope the Lord helps me live it after I preach it. But the experience. Jesus was found in the morning in a solitary place in Mark chapter 1. And there prayed. Luke chapter 6. In those days he went out into the mountain to pray. Continued there all night in prayer. So in the morning finds him all night. At, uh, John 18 says oft times Luke 22 said as he was wont or as was usual <clears throat> be God manifest in the flesh but he still had to deal with the flesh that you and I dealt with and he showed us how to conquer it I don't want to belabor the point as you all stand it came to pass as he was alone praying Luke 21 37 at night he went out and abode or he dwelt there he Stayed in a condition and place of prayer. Hallelujah. Gethsemane isn't a place. It's something that happens. Whenever a man goes up against himself, right there's where Gethsemane is. Right there is sure to be a fight. A man may not always know about it at the time, may be too busy fighting to understand just what it all means but you'll know about it afterwards no matter which side wins no matter which will prevails he'll know that that was the one big fight of his life I don't know what it is that you're struggling with in your flesh but I can say this probably not much different than I or anybody else the spirits in Jennings that fight us as men probably are the same in Fort Lauderdale maybe come in from a different perspective here and there but as a general world we all have a Gethsemane to go to I wonder if we could slip our hands up into the air recommit our will Sacrifice it to God. God help me in the experience of my life. The greatest experience that I've ever faced. Gethsemane. Oh God. Come on, let's cry out to Him today. I know there's a bunch of men in here. You're good men. But you're fighting a fight. You're going through an experience now today that until the Lord comes, you'll still go through it. Don't let the enemy shame you out of the fight and out of the struggle. Don't throw in the towel because you've got struggles. Just renew your consecration to God. Make up in your mind, I'm going to go at it again. I'm going to take with me from this meeting a renewed desire and vehemence to win this fight. Come on, let's cry out right now. The Holy Ghost is wanting to do something in here. Yeah, Hallelujah. Gethsemane is not a place. It's, a, it's experience. It's something that happens. Lift your voices to the Lord. Come on.